We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig, and Maggie Loney. We forgot to update the intro here, but she's with (laughs) us as well. We're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. How are you guys doing? I'm doing really well. I I am furiously checking Twitter, like just updating it, like waiting. We have to have the Aaron Rodgers news today, right? (laughs) We don't. But I this I'm I'm gonna take a lot of solace in that this is one of the most fun shows that we do all year. It's one of my favorite. We have a really exciting topic for today, um, and we'll get into that at the back end of the show. Um, but I just wanted to say, like th- this week was exciting for me, kind of wrapping up the the pre-draft analysis. I got my horizontal board out there. Um, so so that was big for me. So you can check that out on my Twitter if you would like to. Um, Maggie, how are you doing? Well, we don't have Aaron Rodgers news, but we have Tim Boyle news. He did sign with the Jets. So if the Aaron Rodgers deal does happen to fall through, you know, at least the the Jets got a former Packers quarterback um, in their lineup. Everybody's made that joke already, but I just had Uh to put it on the podcast for the listeners that maybe didn't hear that Tim Boyle finally left the NFC North and is now um, with the AFC. But I'm newer to this show. But the the listener show is definitely one of my favorite shows all year. So if there is a, a bored listener out there, since you guys didn't do your homework that I asked you to do, um, if anybody wants to find out how many listener picks actually are correct every year, that would be awesome because we're dying to know. I just assume that if somebody nailed the pick, then they were going to be insufferable and be in our DMs and tell us. <laughs> so we should do the research, find out if any of you guys have just totally you know rocked this in years past. Maybe you have like the secrets unlocking who's going to go where in the draft. That'd be awesome. But uh, yeah, so we will get a little bit further into our listener mock draft later in the show. It's going to be a ton of fun. But before we get into that, we have a few other things to take care of. Uh, first, we do have a little bit of news to cover today outside of the Tim Boyle stuff. I am kind of disappointed that he didn't complete you know, the entire NFC North, that he didn't go to the Vikings as much as that's horrible. Maybe that's a good thing that he skipped that, but he bounced out of the NFC North. That's not the news we want to talk about, though. Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright was in Green Bay on Thursday for a top 30 pre-draft visit. We already knew that Brian Gutekunst was at the Tennessee Pro Day. Uh, We knew that they have the Volunteers quarterback, uh, Hendon Hooker, coming in for pre-draft 
meeting, of course, as well. Uh, there's been a lot of smoke around Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, the wide receivers there. So lots of interesting uh, movement around this Tennessee program for the Packers. But what are your quick thoughts on the Packers bringing in Darnell Wright on a visit? Well, one of the things that I found really interesting was that his uh, RASCOMP or one of the RASCOMPs that he has is the great Chad Clifton, who also played at Tennessee and was a second round pick. I don't necessarily think Wright makes it to the second round, maybe, possibly, probably, but Clifton was part of that Super Bowl 45 team, obviously. So I think the logic here is that when you draft starting tackles from Tennessee, you win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and Brian Gutekunst is playing 40 chest with a 40 chess with this visit, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, he's got a ton of experience at the tackle spot, played almost 2,800 snaps in his four seasons with 13 starts at left tackle, 27 starts at right tackle. So the right tackle job, I think, would immediately be his out of the gate if you're drafting him that high. But the potential to possibly shift to left tackle if Bakhtiari win, he eventually hangs up those cleats. Yeah, we yeah, have... Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I was oh. just going to say, I'm going to talk about right later in the show because uh, I'm going to evaluate that pick in the, the user mock draft. Um, he's like a huge fast riser in this class. He's the guy who was being talked about as a day two guy who's now shooting into like the middle of the first round conversation. Uh, really, really interesting skill set. There's some things that make me kind of hesitant about him as a prospect, but I do have him rated really high. Anyways, go ahead, Kyle. You rudely interrupted, but I know I everybody did. wanted to know your thoughts on right, so that's good. Uh, but uh, we have one more conversation for you ahead of the listener mock, which I know that everyone is just chomping at the bit to get to. Uh, if you've been listening to the Packaday podcast, you know that we have ramped up our draft coverage for you. We're doing our best to cover as many of the 2023 draft prospects as we possibly can because some of them are going to be Green Bay Packers, and you probably care about that. And even if they aren't Packers, they're going to be joining other teams around the NFC North and around the NFL and shaping the future of the league. So we have a few more prospects to introduce to you today. Uh, we want to start talking with these guys. Uh, we have three defensive linemen for you. So let's start with these guys. Georgia's Jalen Carter, Michigan's Mozzie Smith, and Wisconsin Keanu Benton. Uh, Green Bay made a uh, addition in the defensive line room last year with the addition of Devontae Wyatt, but it feels like Defensive line is in play again here as a need or at least a secondary need. So let's talk about these guys and maybe what they could bring to the Green Bay defense. Yeah, so just really quick, what uh, Carter's draft profile for me just says he's big, strong, quick. That's obviously a great combination. Uh, he's going to create major problems if you block him one-on-one. -on -one. He makes hustle plays. He moves really well in space. I like him as a penetrator more than a take-on-the-block-and-hold-up kind of defender. His moves, his his counter moves and hand uh, you know, movements and counters and stuff need refinement. He's a little too reliant on the freaky traits he has at times. And so I'd like to see him improve as a stout run defender, but he should affect the quarterback from day one in the pros. And that's what high defensive linemen picks are, are looking to do, right? Like we're not looking for run defenders early in the draft. We're looking at guys that can make an impact in the pass game. He is my overall prospect number 11, which is a little surprising, kind of low. Uh, certainly defensive lineman one. Um, certainly, I, like, I, I want to avoid commenting on the off-the-field stuff, but I think that definitely impacted how he looked at his pro day. He's a guy who is probably a top 10 player um, in this draft, but, but teams have to clear the off-the-field stuff in order to actually make that selection. Yeah, it's hard to project how the off-the-field stuff is going to impact where he's taken in the draft. We've heard that he's only taking visits with teams uh, picking in the top 10. His agent feels confident enough that he's not going to get out of those picks. So that's a bold strategy, especially considering, you know, NFL teams are allowed to trade up in the draft. So uh, but that's their call. It feels like Seattle, Detroit, Chicago, and Philly are all pretty natural landing spots there within the top 10. But regardless of where Carter lands, this is a wildly talented player. He has... Uh, obviously freakish athleticism on the football field, but he's also a basketball player. He has a weightlifting background. So he's a guy who's just been an athlete his entire life through and through someone that most NFL teams would love to have putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. 
Yeah, I hate how right you are about all of this. You know, the four teams that you listed are great fits for Carter. And of course, two of them happen to be teams that Green Bay would be playing twice a year. So really no debate, I think, on this one. He's defensive lineman number one in this class. will have an immediate impact on whatever team drafts him assuming those off-field concerns are resolved and a team in that top 10 is willing to roll those dice. Yeah, so next up is Mozzie Smith, the defensive lineman from Michigan, who uh, is six foot three and 337 pounds. For me, just a really big force in the middle, a true nose tackle. He dominates in the run game with size and power. He does have short arms, which you can definitely see at times. He can take on doubles and create lanes for linebackers. He just isn't going to be anything more than a pocket pusher in the pass game. So I like his movement skills. Really great for a guy who, um, you know, was college listed at 340 and weighed in at 337. Um, but that is mostly seen in the run game. So I had him as overall prospect number 41 in defense alignment four. Yeah, Mozzie Smith is interesting because I think he brings a lot of what the Packers might actually need. They need someone with sand in their pants to hold up in the run game and occupy multiple blockers. He's a good athlete, so it's not like he's just a space eater, but I do think you're drafting him to play a very specific role, like Andrew said. But his elite athleticism, he's a 9.9 RAS player. So that gives you some hope that maybe, maybe he's just scratching the surface of what he can possibly become and grow into his role as a pass rusher as well. Uh, you love that he's just 21 years old. That's a big cherry on top there. So uh, with Mozzie, there seems to be a high floor of what he's going to bring you in the run game and maybe a little bit of a ceiling that you may be able to tap as well. Yeah, I really love Mozzie. He's sort of raw as a pass rusher, like you both kind of said, but you mentioned already that he really shines in the run game and that frees up both Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt to get after the quarterback. You know, when you can trust a guy like Mozzie to hold it down in the middle, then you're allowed to give guys like Kenny Clark the ability to go play at maybe, you know, a, a, a more preferential position on that defensive side of the ball. But Mozzie's young. He's a freak athlete, which we know Gudekun's covets. And who better to learn from than a guy like Kenny Clark who can kind of help him develop as a pass rusher and add some things to his repertoire. So if he traded in his blue and gold for green and gold, I would, you know, be all about that. Yeah, absolutely. And then the third prospect we're talking about today is Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, who is listed at 6'3 and a half, weighed in at 309. Uh, to me, he's a beast in the middle. He takes on blockers, holds his ground for linebackers to chase. He can also be a penetrator when needed by, uh, you know, with, with really like elite power. He's not explosive, but he has enough wiggle to create disruption in the backfield. I wouldn't say he possesses a ton of third down value right at the moment, but he has the requisite skill set to develop that. He's a run stuffer first, but I think there's some hope he can be a pocket closer at worst, but a guy who can get off blocks in the pass rush game as a ceiling. So I think there's maybe a little bit more pass rush upside with somebody like Benton. I had him at overall prospect 43. So uh, 41 for Mozzie Smith, 43 for Benton. Super close uh, in defense alignment five. Yeah, I actually liked Benton quite a bit and more than I expected to because sometimes this may shock you guys, but as someone kind of on the outside, Wisconsin Badgers <laughs> can kind of get overhyped by Packers Twitter. So I'd seen no. some you know, clips and things, and I just kind of had low expectations going in. But I really loved what I saw. He's a former wrestler, and you can totally see the use of his leverage on display as he plays. I think that's probably why he's so effective in the run game. Even though he's almost 30 pounds lighter than someone like Mozzie Smith, um, I did wish that he had a little bit more burst at the snap. Sometimes he's... He's just a little bit slow coming off the line. But overall, I really liked Keanu. Uh, one more note on Benton. He's kind of been a slow riser in this process. We've heard a little bit more buzz about him lately. And the NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah actually just added Benton to his top 50 list for the very first time this whole spring. So he's at 47 on DJ's list right now. Obviously, that's a pretty good indicator of how the league is feeling about these guys. Um, but I have very similar grades on Mozzie and Benton, like Andrew said. I think we're really similar in that way. But I'd be fine if the Packers took either of those guys at pick 45 in the second round. Yeah, you can absolutely see his wrestling background when you watch him 
in the way that he moves and the way that he plays. He knows exactly how to work his leverage. Like you said, even being 30 pounds shy of some more traditional nose tackles coming out of this class. Um, the draft network noted that he was 48 and two on the mat for his career as a wrestler, which is just insane. Um, and when you watch him, it always feels like he's kind of blowing up plays and living in the backfield. So I think his athleticism is really noticeable and his ability to change directions quickly. And like Smith, he'd also free up Kenny Clark to go play more three technique, which I think is the goal for the defense overall. So I agree with you guys that I think that this is a Badger prospect who makes a lot of sense and would actually have a pretty nice career in Green Bay. Yeah, so now it's time to transition over to the listener mock draft. Kyle and I have been doing this for four years, I believe. And uh, we give an opportunity. We send out a tweet. We ask people that want to be involved in this. And then we we set up a a private DM where everybody who signed up gets assigned to a team. And then they get to make the selection as if they're the franchise. We allow a lot of different things. You can trade. You can can do all all sorts of stuff. Um, It gets a little wild sometimes. But I I like to think of this as a chaos mock draft, right? Because everybody views this as their one chance to pick as this team. So sometimes some pretty cool things happen happen um kyle asked the question at the beginning what have people gotten right in the past i'm not going to go through you know three years worth of of stuff but i will tell you this from last year just taking a look at it uh huge credit matt pickett friend of the show also on this mock draft he had the giants last year at five and seven and he had the right two players in both oh wow just flipped so he had Evan wow. Neal, the tackle from Alabama at five, and Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge from Oregon at seven. They actually went opposite of that, yeah. five and seven, but that was great. Uh, at Jay Seeb, uh, had the Panthers taken Ika McQuanu. That was the correct pick as well. Uh, scrolling through here kind of quickly. Man, people would have loved these Packers picks, but it didn't work out that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, there were there were a bunch of the, oh uh, Sanjay Murthy, uh, who who we all know, uh, had the Packers trading up to twenty one with the Patriots to draft defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt, oh, um, and then. So we got that one right, and we have uh, at Jared Fanning 05, who had the Buffalo Bills drafting cornerback Kyer Elam at 25. That's a correct pick as well, and that may be all. But, like, that's pretty good, <laughs> yeah. yeah. right? You would think, like, oh, the, the first three or four picks are slam dunks for people to get right, but in fact, they're, they're actually doing pretty well towards the, the middle crazy- and the end of that. The crazy thing, Andrew, is we probably would have ripped Sanjay apart for the Devontae Wyatt pick. <laughs> just because, like, the age and, like, they don't take, you know, that kind of profile player that high. But, I mean, we were all shocked on draft night. But what a call from him. Like, that's amazing to yeah. look back on. I'm glad you pulled that out. Pretty darn good. So uh, we'll get it kicked off. The first overall pick was obviously the Carolina Panthers, and this is APBE, which is at APBay22. And he went with... Quarterback C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. No surprise there. I think despite what I might think about C.J. Stroud, he seems to be the consensus top quarterback in this draft class. I do think everything we're hearing from all of the experts is that the Panthers are leaning towards Stroud, even though they're doing the right thing and doing their due diligence. So I think this makes a ton of sense. Obviously, the Panthers didn't give up all of that draft capital to not take a quarterback, and you got to take your number one guy, and that's Stroud. You know, certainly has the makeup of a prototypical NFL quarterback, so seems like a really great pick. I think it will be fascinating for the real draft to see how this impacts the Texans, who are kind of rumored to maybe be in love with one quarterback and not multiple, but Kyle's got Houston. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to see what happens, but in this scenario... The Houston Texans are on the clock, and they do select Bryce Young out of Alabama. This is Brandon Colmark doing the work here at Brandon Brandon underscore Colmark. Sorry about that, man. Uh, But this feels kind of like chalk, right? There's no reason to get super weird with it. The Texans are rebooting their franchise. It's going to be a quarterback, and we think that they like Young. And so they luck out here, get their guy, um, and I think Brandon does a good job getting them arguably the best one here in Bryce Young. Yeah, so at pick three, we've got the Arizona Cardinals uh, with Jordan Wolf at Jordan T. Wolf as their general manager here. And he takes Edge Will Anderson from Alabama. And the Cardinals, obviously, if this this happens on draft night, they're ecstatic, right? They land arguably the best player in the draft at pick three, thanks to two quarterback-hungry teams. This is a no-brainer. You just run the card up to the podium, hand it 
um, to Roger Goodell. And, you know, he's a decorated college prospect, won just about every award under the sun, two-time consensus All-American. Um, and it, it's kind of fitting, right? J.J. Watt just retired, had 12 and a half sacks in his final season. So they need the edge help. This is, again, a no-brainer. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So at pick four, we got the Indianapolis Colts, and this is uh, a pick by Love and Dubs, which is at Packer Fan Wyo. Uh, and they're going to go with quarterback Will Levis out of Kentucky. And the Colts kind of get bailed out here by the Cardinals not trading out of three, so they get their choice of the third quarterback. In this instance, Love and Dubs is going to go with Will Levis. I think Levis certainly needs some time, but I'm thinking he would probably start by midseason for Indy and at worst just use his athleticism to kind of move it forward and develop into a passer. They need a lot, but could be in for a bounce back if they get at least steady play out of the quarterback position. Okay, so this next one here is a little bit crazy, guys, so i got to settle in. <laughs> We're on the clock here, number five. The Baltimore Ravens are on the clock here, and that is a surprise. Their GM is Daniel Kotnick, which I'm not sure why anyone let Daniel be a GM, but we let him do it in this, in this scenario. Um, the trade is with, of course, the Seattle Seahawks, because that's who would have normally had this pick and that is Noah Seligman and he is at Noah Seligman on Twitter so they've worked out this deal Baltimore sends quarterback Lamar Jackson and safety Kyle Hamilton Hamilton and a 2024 fourth which was crucial to this deal I'm sure and in exchange (laughs) they receive pick five in this draft a 2024 first and quarterback Geno Smith from Seattle Okay, so the selection here at five is quarterback Anthony Richardson. And I, I love the creativity here. It feels kind of random. We haven't heard Seattle connected to Lamar at all. Uh, it's really been New England, Atlanta, Indy, all the fun rumors. But Seattle is in a place where they can win now. And Geno, is a, he's a good QB, but he's probably not a great QB. And he may not be the future. And so I love the aggression here from Seattle uh, to go and get their guy in Lamar. And I actually really like what Baltimore is able to do here as well. Obviously, in this scenario, smoothing things over with Lamar wasn't in the cards, 
but they get Anthony Richardson with the fifth pick, and they get some capital in the future. They also get Geno Smith to be that bridge so that Richardson doesn't have to start right away, and he has that time to get seasoned and ready to play. Um, and the athleticism of Richardson allows Baltimore, Baltimore to not really have to do a lot to their offense. They don't have to overhaul the whole thing. So I think this one works for all parties. It's kind of crazy out of left field, but I love seeing it come across the DM. I thought it was really interesting and creative. So Richardson finally off the board at number five to Baltimore. So at number six, we've got John Knapp at Napscarada624. He's the general manager in this scenario for the Detroit Lions. And they take defensive lineman Jalen Carter out of Georgia. So we just alluded to this earlier in the show, and now I have to talk about the very real possibility that the best defensive lineman in the draft heads to the Motor City, which is what John has them doing here. Carter would bring some serious pass rush ability to Detroit, and him generating interior pressure with Aiden Hutchinson on the edge is the stuff of nightmares. So thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's not, not a good sign for uh, the Packers offensive line. But at number seven, we have the Las Vegas Raiders, and at, at mad underscore fermentor, uh, Drew Longmire is going to take cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. The Raiders certainly need help out a lot of spots. Getting an elite corner like Gonzalez really helps them out. They were in a position where they could have gone edge, they could have gone offensive tackle, but I feel like this team is pretty good at edge already. Um, so drafting another premium position to start really helps shore up that defense and, and move forward in uh, what is kind of a confusing situation for the Raiders. Yeah, I've got the Atlanta Falcons up here at eight, and they are going to select Edge Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. And doing the work here is Ray Wienkoff at Ray Wienkoff on Twitter. Uh, Wilson's stock has been really interesting to follow. A few weeks ago, there was a lot of hype uh, saying that he was one of the best in the class. And then, you know, saying that maybe he was even better than Will Anderson, right? Maybe he should be edge one. Recently, there's been some buzz that maybe he's been overhyped by the media. So who knows exactly where his stock is, but it kind of feels like he's still a lock to go in the top 10. And Atlanta, I think, is a great landing spot for him. The Falcons have done some work to improve their secondary this offseason with the addition of players like Jesse Bates. So getting a stud edge rusher like Tyree Wilson could go a long way in improving this defense. Yeah, so I've got um, Kyle Fellows at Packer underscore Pundit, who is making the ninth selection uh, for the Chicago Bears in this mock draft scenario. Um, And he's taking offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. So obviously the best defensive linemen are off the board. Two edge rushers taken early. Kyle makes the smart move here for Chicago, which is gross. And he picks uh, an offensive lineman selecting Paris Johnson Jr. Um, First tackle off the board. He played left tackle for the Buckeyes last season, but could play either tackle spot for the Bears, depending on, I think, what happens with Tevin Jenkins and where he fits long term on Chicago's offensive line. Uh, Justin Fields got sacked 55 times in 2022. So this is a needed addition to that Bears locker room. Yeah, Kyle was just desperate to pick for the Bears in this situation. (laughs) He couldn't stop talking about it, honestly. Really excited about that. (laughs) I. The Philadelphia Eagles picked at number 10. This is at Jordan Ho 77. And Jordan went with running back B. John Robinson out of Texas, which is a pick that I have been seeing a lot lately, and it just makes way too much sense. Mm-hmm. B. John is a top three talent in this draft, and the Eagles have needs, but most of those can be taken care of later in the draft. And adding a player I expect to be elite immediately to Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, that great offensive line may spell really, really big trouble for the rest of the NFC. Yeah, I like that one a lot. It feels like the one instance where it may make sense to go ahead and add your running back in the first round. It's a pretty unique opportunity. But at 11, uh, Matt Pickett, Matt Trombone on Twitter is doing some work here. Of, Of course, we talked about, gave him some praise for nailing a pick last year. We'll see if he can do it here again. But the offensive tackle, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, comes off the board here. Matt was real excited to select Paris Johnson Jr., but my Bears selection ruined that completely for him. Uh, but he did stay with the offensive line here and takes that great player in Skaronsky. I love that he's a player with a massive floor, 
there's no reason that he can't be a Pro Bowl guard in the NFL. And he might just end up being a really, really good right tackle as well. So I love the player. And for a team like the Titans who need good players as they kind of retool, rebuild with a new GM, this feels like a really realistic selection. So I have uh, Brandon Colmark at Brandon underscore Colmark. We saw him earlier because he's back on the clock for the Texans. And at pick 12, he is taking wide receiver Jackson Smith Jigba out of Ohio State to the dismay of every Packer fan listening, which is, I think, basically everyone listening, right? Everybody's a Packer fan if you listen to the Pack-A-Date podcast, I'm assuming. But Texans take the first wide receiver off the board take JSN at pick 12. They grabbed their quarterback at pick two and now give him a stud receiver to throw to for years to come. JSN lands on an offense with pieces like Robert Woods, Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, and uh, he's pretty NFL ready to go. So I think he would pretty quickly become Young's favorite target from the jump. Yeah, this is even more soul crushing that JSN goes off the board at pick 12 because the Packers are picking it Pick 13. What? Uh, and that is a result of a trade. So we, uh, Jake Engel at Jake Engel 1265 uh, is picking for the Packers. I believe he also picked for the Packers last year. So sorry, my randomizer apparently is magnetized towards Jake and the Packers. But uh, this is a trade from the Jets who receive, uh, or, or I'm sorry, they've traded picks 13, 42, and 43 and a conditional 2024 third to the Packers in returns for pick 15 a 2024 fifth, again, a very important part of this deal, and quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so the Packers end up getting the pick swap, moving from 15 to 13, and then they also get 42 and 43. I think Jake did a good job negotiating that. Uh, and so the Packers are going to select offensive tackle Broderick Jones out of Georgia. To me, Jones is a top five player in this class, but this is a pretty realistic landing spot, though I'd expect it actually to be the Jets pick at 13 and them taking Broderick Jones. Uh, But he instantly provides the Packers with a starting right tackle if they want Yash to be the swing tackle. And then Zach Tom and Elton Jenkins can be rock solid on the interior. You just have to kind of figure out, does Zach Tom play center? Or if he's at guard uh, with Meyer starting? Or maybe you even draft another interior player later. If you have 42 and 43 and 45, uh, (laughs) a center might fit in really well with one of those picks. But I absolutely love this. I can't sing the praises of Broderick Jones enough. And I know Packers fans might be... Uh, kind of upset about taking a tackle here, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that that's a really realistic spot for the Packers to, you know, or potentially player for them to land even at 15 if he doesn't go to the Jets at 13, like Andrew said. So keep an eye on Broderick Jones for sure. I'm up at 14. I've got the New England Patriots edge Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa uh, taken here by, oh my goodness, skogie.exe <laughs> he's also skogie. nope he's at skogie underscore dot underscore exe on twitter so he's at least <laughs> consistent uh thanks for helping us out with that uh but lucas van ness feels like a packer he's huge he's athletic he's got a motor that never quits and he interviews really really well so for all the same reasons he sounds like a patriot selection uh new england has loved oversized defensive ends and outside linebackers for a really long time and van ness definitely fits the mold perfectly he is a developmental player he is not someone that i don't think andrew or i have put maybe a first round grade on but he's certainly a player who could get there the ceiling is really really high and that's why he's probably going to go right in this range in the actual draft So I have uh, pick 15. Obviously, we know now that that is the New York Jets. Mike Wenland at Mike Wenland. Pack day host is making the selection here. And he is taking cornerback Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, grabbing the second corner off the board and giving Sauce Gardner a dynamic running mate. I tried to think of a joke for this. And I was like, how do you eat sauce? With a spoon. But nothing felt right when I was was (laughs) writing my notes. So just, you know. Let it let it roll over. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spoon didn't give up a single touchdown in 2022, and he was given the number one coverage grade in the nation by PFF. So day one starter, immediate impact, and pairing him with Sauce means that it would be scary hours for the rest of the AFC East. 
What I, what I absolutely love about that pick, the Jets already have a really strong cornerback duel with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, and they have a pretty solid slot corner, Michael Carter the second, and adding, adding Witherspoon makes that like nightmare scenario. You have so much depth. But what, what I really enjoy about it is drafting a defensive player in the first round for Aaron Rodgers. I, I, <laughs> I, I think he'd really be on board with that. that that's a, a great way to win over your new franchise quarterback. Uh, anyways, uh, at pick 16, we have the Washington Commanders. This is friend of the podcast, Don DeQuisto, uh, at Don DeQuisto. I hope I say her last name right. I, we've literally talked, and I, I she'll, she'll comment on this. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Don. Uh, and Don has the Washington Commanders taking cornerback Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, and I think he is an absolutely fantastic value at 16 for a team that really, really needs help at corner. This has a chance to be the steal of the first round, in my opinion, and Joey Porter Jr. stays close to Penn State. I think he's going to be a force in the right system. And this Washington defense just continues to add talent and become more and more and more loaded. So really like that one. All right. So I'm up at 17 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Andrew G at Geshmo122. Selects Edge Miles Murphy out of Clemson. And I I love Miles Murphy. He's probably one of my favorite players in the whole class. He's just such a Packers profile too. He's a 9.8 RAS. He's gotten better every year of his college career. So you love that progression. And I know that PFF is not the ultimate authority on all things, but Murphy was their highest graded run defender during Murphy's true freshman year. So that says something about his ability to play the run. And then he ranked second in the ACC in 2022. So he gives you a lot as a run defender. There is some rawness to him, especially as a pass rusher. But again, like so many of these other guys, he's 21 years old on draft day. So you bet on guys with those traits all day long, especially when they're that young. So I love the pick for the Steelers. Pairing him with someone like TJ Watt is really, really intriguing. And I'm not going to lie. I would I would not be upset if Murphy ended up in green and gold instead a few picks earlier. But for this exercise, he remains a Steeler. Yeah, so I have John Knapp back on the clock at Knappscarada pick 18 for the Detroit Lions, and he's taking another defensive lineman. He's got Kalijah Kansi out of Pitt. So he's double dipping along the defensive line, taking the second big guy off the board. He put it best when he made the pick, right? He said he's immediately going to turn a position of weakness for the Lions into a position of strength. So, you know, Dan Campbell is ready to chew bubblegum and bite kneecaps with his rookie D-line. And unfortunately, he is all out of bubblegum. Yeah, I remember the Lions defensive line being nightmares for the Packers. You think back to like Indomitian and Sue and Cliff Averill and company. And this defensive line is uh, terrifying. I would say uh, it would immediately become one of the best units in the entire league. Uh, at pick 19, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, who are GM'd by Chaston Vruink uh, at VRUW23. And Chaston is going with offensive tackle Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, who we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, he's just a really, really intriguing prospect. He has incredible movement skills. Rumors have him shooting up draft boards, but his tape shows somebody with pretty stiff ankle flexion which is usually a no-no for me, but his testing sort of spits in the face of that idea. So I ended up liking him quite a bit as a prospect. I think there's some development that's needed in his game, but you throw him opposite of Tristan Wirfs, the Bucks have some real reliability at tackle, and that's important because the rest of that OT room is hot garbage. So it is a clear path to a starting spot and, and hopefully keeping Baker Mayfield upright for this season. So real quick note on uh, um, Darnell Wright, just before we move on into this next pick at 20 here, we should have mentioned this at the top. The Packers did bring him in on a top 30 visit, but somebody else mentioned that Wright has 20 top 30 visits lined up around the (laughs) NFL. So this is someone that, listening to interviews with him, I think, I don't expect that there's huge like character questions, but his personality is a little bit subdued. And uh, teammates have talked about how they had to encourage him to believe that he was like a dominant player and that he had a future in the NFL, like early on in his college career. So I think there may be a little bit of personality vetting going on, but 20 teams. So when you're like, oh, the Packers love him, like they brought him in. So did 20 other teams. So just keep that in mind. But I love Darnell Wright as well and would love to see him 
in Green Bay. But at 20, the Seattle Seahawks are on the board here. They've got uh, Noah Seligman doing their GM work here, and they select Edge Nolan Smith from Georgia. This is this is an interesting one to me because Nolan Smith is going a lot higher than 20 in a lot of mocks right now, but he's also kind of this tweener prospect. He's a super athlete, another 9-plus RAS guy, but he's also a little light for an edge. He gets a lot of comps to Hassan Reddick, and rightfully so because of his size. And Nolan Smith probably hopes that he has the same kind of success that we've seen Reddick have with the Eagles. But uh, Nolan Smith kind of feels like a Seahawk to me. So I kind of like this landing spot uh, and what Noah did here. So next at pick 21, we have Greg Vandersteen at Snoop Tang Clan picking for the Los Angeles Chargers. And he's taking tight end Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. So it's our first tight end. Off the board, the Chargers grab a stud there uh, with their 21st overall pick. Gerald Everett had a decent season uh, in L.A., but the Chargers could use an upgrade at the tight end position to give Justin Herbert another weapon. And Mayer has the ability, I think, to come in and contribute right away to an NFL offense. The learning curve won't really be as steep for him as it might be for some of the other tight ends. Um, So he's a fun piece for the Brandon Staley offense. Yeah, and our friend Dan Kotnick at DK All The Way back on the clock with the Ravens at 22, who made the big splash at pick five. Here, they're going to take wide receiver Quentin Johnston out of TCU. And of course, like, of course, the Ravens just have a really good player fall into their lap like they do every single year. Uh, Quentin Johnston and Rashad Bateman don't necessarily create a very diverse wide receiver room. Their skill sets are pretty similar, but I think that's actually a really fun duo for Geno Smith, who had a lot of success last year with DK Metcalf. And those two players, kind of like the DK Metcalf light uh, options in Baltimore. Um, And then eventually being the uh, Quentin Johnson being a really good target for Anthony Richardson, who is picked at five. Uh, You also have Devin DuVernay in the slot. So I think, you know, that that's starting to get some weapons at wide receiver, which is always a big criticism of Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I like that you played that out with all the, you know, the picks that we had earlier and how that would would work out for them. So a lot of fun there. Okay, I'm up here, 23 Minnesota Vikings. The GM here is a total fool. Uh, <laughs> it's Andrew Mertig at Andrew Mertig on Twitter. But what I don't like about what Andrew does here is when you're in control of the Minnesota Vikings, you're supposed to pick bad players, and he didn't do that. Uh, he picked wide receiver. <laughs> Stop. Uh, this isn't a video podcast. People can't see what you're doing. They they take wide receiver Zay Flowers out of Boston College here. And it feels like Minnesota has some decisions to make um, as they kind of look to the future here. There's a lot of questions about Kirk Cousins. Is he in the plans here for very long? Je- Justin Jefferson is the one sure thing for the Vikings right now. And with Adam Thielen leaving for Carolina, Minnesota needs to add some receivers unless they do expect a big jump from someone like KJ Osborne, but I like this fit for with Flowers a lot. I, I think that Zay is most dangerous when he's kind of allowed to be your wide receiver too or your complementary receiver. And so here in Minnesota, he'll certainly have a chance to make plays in space while defenses are focused on uh, Justin Jefferson. All right, at pick twenty-four, we've got Crow Pat Crow at Crow Pat Crow. Um, he's GMing the Jacksonville Jaguars here, and he's taking tight end Darnell Washington out of Georgia. And I love this pick for the Jaguars. He's getting so many comps, obviously, to Mercedes Lewis already, so it would only make sense for Washington to end up with Jacksonville. The Jags re-signed Evan Ingram in free agency, but it was a hefty investment for a one-year deal. And Washington is just a freak athlete. He excels as a blocker, has soft hands as a receiver, and he'll be a fun addition for the Trevor Lawrence-led offense that also gets Calvin Ridley back in 2023. And then I pick 25, the New York Giants, GM'd by Skogie.exe. I'm going to do a better job of this than Kyle. Thanks. <laughs> at Skogie underscore dot underscore exe is going to take Edge Will McDonald the fourth out of Iowa State. The Giants love adding defensive line help, but Edge has been a little shaky historically. McDonald can come in and play in a rotation with Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. I, I think Will McDonald the fourth is best suited to be a dedicated pass rusher early, add some strength, and then hopefully become more of an every-down player. So this allows him to do that. It keeps an emphasis on good young pass rushers and I think makes 
you know, a, what what is already a strong position even stronger for the Giants. Uh, number 26, the Dallas Cowboys select Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. This is Andrew G at Geshmo122 as the GM here. This is the third tight end off the board, which I think is really interesting that it went in the order that it did. And I think that's going to be really fun to follow in the actual draft to see which order these guys go in. But uh, Dalton Kincaid going here to Dallas. The important thing that we should learn here, though, is that to play tight end for the Cowboys, your first name has to be Dalton. It's that (laughs) simple. This is all that this is. Uh, But it's kind of strange that Dalton Schultz turned down a pretty significant contract from Dallas earlier this year and then found a pretty dry market in free agency. Um, But ultimately, Schultz lands in Houston. That leaves a big opening there in Dallas as a great landing spot for a tight end. I think Jake Ferguson is the only other tight end of note on that roster. So I I like the fit here, and I think it makes sense to give Dak another weapon alongside CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. At pick 27, we've got the Buffalo Bills, general managed by Jordan Wolf at Jordan T. Wolf, and he's taking linebacker Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. Our only linebacker selected in the first round, Jordan Wolf, takes um, yeah, takes the only one in this first round, which I don't think is that surprising given the class this year. This move makes a ton of sense for Buffalo. They lost Tremaine Edmonds in free agency. Matt Milano is one of the best inside linebackers in the business, and now he's got a young, freaky, athletic running mate next to him. Um, I think it might be a little high, but if there aren't too many guys that you're interested in at the position, we know it's not the strongest class. So go get your guy in the first round bills. Yeah. The end of the first round is going to be really interesting because the talent kind of dries up in the early teens. And then, then you're dealing with a lot of players who are probably really similarly graded. We could see some surprises like that. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals at 28 are jammed by Jake Engel at Jake Engel 1265, uh, who made the Packers pick earlier. And Jake went with cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland. He's really interesting. He, he, absolutely incredible athlete and somebody who has the chance to go in this range. I personally would prefer somebody with a higher floor like Cam Smith out of South Carolina. But I think the Bengals would would just want somebody that has incredible physical gifts, let them develop. I think predictively, Deontay Banks is a really, really great fit for Cincy. I forgot I was muted. Hold on, I'm here. Um, <laughs> so what's funny, though, I, I this is interesting to me because I, I like Deontay Banks a good bit. And I'm surprised that you have him over Kim Smith. I actually think Deontay Banks is like a super sleeper for the Packers at 15, uh, just like if they don't like the other – corners that are there and Andrew is shaking his head absolutely not it would not be a pick that I make but it's one of those that I'm like ah, maybe leave the door open something crazy could happen but um, Andrew and I will certainly fight about that later at 29 the New Orleans Saints select quarterback Hendon Hooker from Tennessee with GM Don DeQuisto at the wheel here. Um, the Saints were able to sign Derek Carr to a four-year deal this offseason, so this could be kind of a surprise. But the Saints can also get out of that contract if they want to after the second year pretty easily. So in this scenario, Don is rolling the dice on someone like Hendon Hooker, hoping that after the injury he's going to be the future for this Saints team. And if that's the case, by selecting him here at the end of the first round, they would still get that fifth-year option, which does help the team finances which we always know that the Saints could use that help. I think that New Orleans feels good about the present, probably, with Carr under center. But say in two years, he's 34 years old, right? So maybe a transition to someone like Hendon Hooker could make some sense. And this late in the first round, it might be worth the gamble for them. But I will say that Hendon Hooker may be almost as old as... Derek Carr by the time he's 34 as well. So that's something to keep tabs on. But uh, no, I like the selection there uh, that Don makes for the Saints. Yeah. If you can steal a quarterback at the end of the first round and get that fifth year option, you typically do it. So it makes a lot of sense for the Saints there. Um, All right, Packers fans, I hope that you perk up a little bit because we have a trade here. The Packers have traded with the Eagles. Um, The Eagles get their second pick number 42 and their third number 78. And the Packers now are on the clock. We've got Jake Engel, Jake at Jake Engel, 1265, 1265, (laughs) trading with the Eagles, um, GM'd by Jordan Hove at Jordan Hove 77. So 
Aaron Rodgers leaves, and the Packers finally draft a wide receiver in the first round. They round they take Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, and the jokes really write themselves. We are just the conduit for these jokes in this mock draft. Um, ran a blazing 4-4-40, finished his final season in Tennessee with 67 receptions, 1,267 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Led the SEC in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. A little bit outside of Green Bay's preferred metrics, obviously. He's only 176 pounds, but the Packers did meet with him at the Combine and have a reported heavy interest in him. So he'd be a dynamic slot receiver to pair with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. So Packers fans, Aaron Rodgers leaves and you get your wide receiver in the very first round. Yeah, and the the really interesting part about that is the Packers gave up pick 42 uh, which they acquired as part of the the Aaron Rodgers trade, and then also 78, uh, their third round pick, which of course we know as Packer fans we want to get rid of third round picks if possible. <laughs> so the Packers not only draft two players in the first round, but then based on the trade that was made in this mock, they would also still have 43 and 45 to deal mm. with to to continue wow. to add talent. And uh, I have Broderick Jones listed as my third overall player who the Packers got at 15 and Jalen Hyde is my 15th overall player who they got at 30. So if anybody would love this draft class, it would be me. I'd be doing uh, cartwheels on air on uh, draft night. So anyways, to wrap this all up, uh, the Kansas city chiefs picking up uh, number 31 are GM'd by Crow Pack Crow at Crow Pack Crow. Uh, and they are going to take wide receiver Jordan Addison out of USC. Addison to me is really interesting. I, I think I I have the highest film grade of any of my wide receivers on Addison, but his athletic testing brought his overall score down pretty significantly. The Chiefs have seemingly preferred to go with the deep threats, the guys with a lot of speed and, and maybe are lacking a little bit in the route running. But Addison provides them with a viable replacement to Juju Smith-Schuster, albeit with a different kind of skill set. I really like Jordan Addison in this scheme. Um, I, I do kind of wonder, could the Chiefs have some interest in DeAndre Hopkins? Or do they maybe view somebody like Jordan Addison as, you know, a much, much cheaper version of DeAndre Hopkins without the resume? So a uh, very intriguing pick. Anything else to, to wrap today up? It's a really, really fun exercise. And so I just want to say thank you to everyone who participated. Um, thank you for taking the time to be a part of this. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you for listening all the time, right? You're you're here because you like to listen. And so we so much appreciate that. Also, a huge thank you to Mr. Andrew Mertig, who takes the time to put together this whole process every spring. Um, so thanks for making it an annual tradition, Andrew. Uh, it's just a lot of fun to participate with the listeners and creating what we found out today is maybe a little bit more of a predictive mock than we actually thought. Yeah, yeah there's a lot, of, a lot of good picks in this one. So I'm excited to see if any of them come to fruition. I think Packers fans would be pretty excited if this actually was uh, was their, their double selection on draft night. Absolutely. And just echoing that praise uh to to everybody who who wanted to participate and how quickly and seamless the process was this year that was fantastic uh but that is all the time that we have for today this has been the pack day podcast you can find kyle on twitter at packer underscore pundit you can find maggie at maggie j loney and also uh check out packs what she said and you can find me at andrew mertig Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star review. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. Next week we'll be back with more NFL draft coverage. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... (laughs) 